Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is June 30. It is a Wednesday. It is the end of the financial year. I'm David Scott. This is the COB podcast at AusBiz. I'm joined by Annette Beecher. I'm lucky today. Annette, how was your day? Oh, she was a pretty busy one. End of financial year. Lots of people saying there's buying, there's selling. In my old life as uh, in investment banking, I mean, currencies, bonds, everything gets belted because it's month end, quarter end and end of financial year. So don't read too much into some of these moves. Yeah, we uh, we, we dribbled into the other uh, close. We did finish <laughs> higher and that pretty much sums up the, the entire year, it's got to be said. Up 24% in FY21. That's the largest gain in 34 years. We've had nine months on the trot when it comes to gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking ahead, uh, you've got to wonder, a lot of this has been reflecting what's going on with liquidity from central banks. Yes, earnings yep. have come to, uh, to the party, but they must continue to do so, you'd expect. Otherwise, it's going to be a little bit tougher from here well it's it's splash the cash it's the rebound trade it's spending money at home because they're not letting us leave the borders although as a tip though if you see that the aussie stock market is up 25 percent over the year dig into your super balances and see how they're going because you can move them if you're not happy. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people are going to be doing that benchmarking and seeing how mm-hmm. the other uh, fund performed against uh, a variety of benchmarks. Of course, super funds, uh, unless you've got a very high risk tolerance, uh, yeah. yeah, probably not to be entirely allocated to equity markets, but we digress. Anyway, look, a big factor that uh, will probably determine how we go and fare from here, particularly the material sector and maybe elements of uh, education and tourism is what happens in China. And uh, I pay pretty close attention to what's going on there at the moment uh we saw some pmi data out of there today both manufacturing pmi and particularly the uh the, the non-manufacturing the services component uh no real noticeable loss of uh, momentum again uh what do you make about what's going on in uh, australia's largest trading partner yeah it seems that uh i mean we've had quite a few of our guests show us the charts about the china credit impulse and it has been firmly decelerating this year uh just those yeah chinese manufacturing numbers 51 for manufacturing 55 and a half for services like we're not falling off a cliff here but in terms of being in the expansion territory that margin is getting thinner and thinner so i think subsequent months are going to be watched very closely yeah that services component which of course is now the largest part of the other the Chinese economy. It was uh, the the lowest, uh, the fourth lowest reading on record, and uh, excluding the uh, the lockdown period last year, uh, it's the, uh, the the weakest report since the uh, the GFC. So, yeah, a few eyes are going to keep on that. Yeah, I'm really, really like a hawk. Uh, we'll get some uh, more data coming out about uh, the Chinese economy in the next couple of weeks. I think it's really key. What policymakers choose to go there? Do they go and turn on the credit taps again and try and be more short-termism? They've got, uh, I think, the Communist Party's uh, one of the like 100-year anniversary is coming up. Or mm-hmm. there's a really a couple of important events coming up. The five-year uh, plan is up next year as well. 
I wonder whether you know, they might go and try and smooth things over again or will they go and actually look to you know, reduce those longer-term financial stability risks by having some short-term pain. Now, the last time it happened, of course, I did not end uh, well. It did not end I, well, no. Yeah, so uh, I'm really interested to see how it's going to play out. But whatever they choose to do, those policymakers, it will go and impact your investment portfolio. So make sure you pay attention to that Chinese data. Look, uh, let's get back to the equity market here because uh, you know, cracking a year. And let, one of the reasons is uh, Telstra. Uh, Telstra is uh, no, been the turnaround story. You know, everyone's kind of yes. described it as being like that old uh, old uh, uncle who used to go and wear the sweater and uh, just slowly disappearing into nothing. In the nothing. corner, yeah. But all of a sudden, uh, it seems to have been resurrected uh, from nothing and uh, a turnaround story is on the way. I had a good chat with uh, Adam Dawes from Sean Partners uh, to go and close off the program today. And he's quite bullish. He's uh, you know, got about a four-buck price target on it. That's another 10% high from where it's trading at the moment. Uh, yeah, the comeback kid. Well, it, it helps that they're selling some of their uh, poles and wires, shall we say, for I think about $4 billion and they've promised some of those proceeds to shareholders. So that's why Telstra is one of the performers today because it's not just about being a dividend stock, it now can be a splash cash stock. Well, Dorsey's are feeling pretty uh, pretty confident about the outlook for Telstra. Let's go and put it to our guests on the call today. So we had Henry Jennings from Marcus today and Andrew Vilant from DP Wealth Advisory. Let's get their view as to whether Telstra is a buy. Don't mind this deal. I don't mind Telstra. It's boring. It's dull. It yields 4.2% fully franked uh, with potentially more now because of this deal that they have done. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to like about dull businesses sometimes, uh, even, you know, when all the more sexy businesses are going well. Telstra has been uh, a steady achiever, shall we say, and maybe Andy Pence somewhat on the right track now. A good mate of mine once described Telstra as Tekkenakati. <laughs> and uh, probably the only thing I'd be mindful of if Telstra is that special dividend is in there because that NBN money continues to help fund part of the dividend. So um, if for whatever reason they suddenly had some growth aspirations, whereas Telstra at the moment is the, the levers they're pulling is more around cost control, that T22 and obviously 5G that Henry just referenced before, but parking that as an, as an aside, um, I'm still happy to buy it. I note consensus is about 380, so we're getting pretty close to that. But there's still plenty of more uh, value that can be unlocked in this business and supported by that strong, uh, fully frank dividend along the way. We'll ring the bell, or virtual bell in lockdown city. Ding, 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 ding. Tell us what's going in the portfolio. It's in. It's in. I've been doing these on and off and this is one of the first times I've heard an emphatic it's in the portfolio my goodness everyone's bullish on uh, Telstra maybe the contrarians out there all their ears are pricking <laughs> up uh, but uh, yeah it's uh, certainly looking a pretty good uh, story at the moment I think it's up uh, like 27% uh, uh, calendar year to date so six months uh, no 27% yeah I'll go and uh, bank that any day of the week uh, look uh, you had a chat with uh, Nick Morton today didn't you uh, so talking investment strategy in an environment where there is so much richness in valuations across all different asset mm. classes it's becoming particularly different. What was uh, he looking at? Well, we started with the COVID trade. I know that sounds like uh, a dull one, but he said don't do travel, so avoid travel. He liked a couple of the retailers like Super Retail, Harvey Norman. He said there's still some value to run in there. Uh, we talked around the grounds, fixed income. He thinks US bonds are way too expensive. He says even if you think inflation is transitory, they should not be at 1.5% for 10 years. And then we sort of kept 
trickling on to uh, the banks, as you said, looking pretty rich. He swapped out of Westpac mm-hmm. and bought QBE, for example. So that's basically probably the other the rising bond yields. You know, that's part of the income story there as well. Mm-hmm. And look, you'd expect in better economic times, people be able to go and afford insurance, which is obviously a benefit as well for a company like that. And a sector that got a bit smashed as well. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I've got to say that a lot of, you know, I remember back uh, you know, during the peak of the pandemic uh, last year in, uh, in sort of March and April, and I remember at the time writing a whole bunch of you know, blog posts and you know, saying, oh, this is the, uh, the, the lowest level that uh, XYZ's bank share price has been <laughs> in like 30 years and stuff like that. And it actually, it actually just triggered me. I said, you know what, uh, what's the likelihood that the, uh, the Australian government's going to let these things fail? And uh, yeah, I, um, I took advantage. So uh, that, was, uh, that was one of my better calls. It's uh, one of the few ones I've ever made. But uh, yeah, that was a nice one. Uh, look, uh, I digress. Look, we had plenty of uh, guests on the show that come on today that uh, we had Jesse Hamilton, uh, Wilson Asset Management's Chief Financial Officer. He came on to discuss that uh, takeover of mm, uh, Templeton, Templeton Global Fund. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a merger, but look, let's be honest, it's a takeover. So I went and asked him a couple of questions about, you know, what does it mean for, uh, for unit holders and what does it mean potentially when it comes to investment strategy uh, and implications moving forward? Because much bigger fund, globally focused, now mm. a much bigger universe here than the, uh, the ASX. So lots of opportunities out there uh, and can throw its weight around as well, which is going to be one of the factors. So You'll be a big buyer, very we, big buyer. We know that uh, no, Wilson Asset Management doesn't mind being uh, aggressive when it comes to uh, you know, getting to know things that it thinks uh, may be a little bit undervalued. So watch this space. Uh, look, I probably have to go and finish off with what's going on here in Australia with the uh, the vaccine rollout or lack thereof and uh, just everything else Mixed in messages are appalling. Yeah, it's um, it's quite difficult as an Australian to go and sit back and watch the bickering and the misinformation which is coming from all different people, uh, from you know, elected and unelected officials at the state and federal level about what should and shouldn't be done. There's this no uh, singing from the, you know, the same hymn book. And uh, I'm really concerned because where does this end up? No one's going to be confident to go and do anything. I didn't think we'd be back here with South Australia shut, Queensland shut. Uh, I guess, you know, some of the uh, more interesting columnists in certain newspapers saying, you know, oh, Sydney was due for a shutdown. Apparently we asked for it. But don't forget, we take, and we being here in Sydney, we take a disproportionate amount of international arrivals. So the risk factor there is obviously multiples of any other state. So I still think we're doing the best we can. But stop telling us about Pfizer versus AstraZeneca. Just take the damn thing because I don't want to keep talking about this heading into Christmas. Yeah, with someone with family interstate that I have no idea when I'll see them next. I encourage everyone to go and get vaccinated so we can all start becoming mobile again. But uh, yeah, it is uh, it is a little bit disappointing. Uh, I just where's the uh, the campaign to go and give the information about uh, the mm. risks and the, and the benefits um, from the vaccines? Like the one thing with AstraZeneca, I can't believe that the uh, the narrative being is allowed to go and unravel and how it's some incredibly uh, unsafe thing when you mm. look at the, uh, the actual statistics. Uh, it's 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 safe or safer than a whole bunch of you no know, medications yeah. that are widely used across the populace. Nothing is one hundred percent safe. Life is not one hundred percent safe. It's been all across Europe. With yes, there have been fatalities, and of course, no one likes fatalities. But this is about managing risk. This isn't about eradication. And I think a few people, and uh, we've been talking here off the desk, like the Singapore method. Now is let's not talk about cases. Let's talk about people in hospital. Let's talk about ICU. Let's talk about the serious end of this virus, not the fact that a couple of contagious people without symptoms happen to hit the pub. Yeah. Look, this time in a week, we'll have uh, you know, digested the RBA decision that uh, would have arrived uh, yesterday in a week's time. And mm. uh, 
Do you reckon this could potentially go and have some ramifications? Uh, you're an expert in this space and there's lots of uncertainty. Would the bank go and become more cautious and actually go and act upon that caution? No, it would get an unravelling a bit more than what we've already seen? Well, as uh, I looked up today, apparently it was March 22 that they announced that July 6 will be the big D-Day and I'm sure they didn't expect that this would be the background. They uh, Had they been surprised by the data, the employment, GDP, you know, all of that has surprised to the upside, but here we are being locked down, um, you know, week week after week. I'm starting to think, you know, I remember we had this discussion before when the Governor Lowe spoke in Toowoomba. He tried to be dovish. Literally an hour later, he was slammed by a strong employment report. So nobody listened to that speech after that employment report hit. So I think he has another chance. But having said that, the biggest dovish shock that they could deliver the market is not buy the April 2024 bond and push it out to November. That boxes them into a corner that they can't climb out of. So I don't think they'll do a dovish surprise on the policy changes. Mm. I think they're pretty pretty much baked in. But he could spend a long time, again, reiterating that speech. Where's our upside surprise to wages? Where's our upside surprise to inflation? We're a long way away from normalising policy. Yeah, and it's going to be a long time till we probably get back to normal based on what the other current vaccine rollout is. I, I do wonder, they put a lot of emphasis on that Aussie dollar. And if they were to go and surprise and uh, they have the perfect opportunity in my book to go and make that decision if it comes to that, uh, that bond roll out to November 24, that would go and kapow, mm. polax that Aussie dollar. So if it's that important to the RBA, that is an option. I also saw a poll out today from Reuters saying that every single economist says, that, oh, there oh, will be any no, role. no change. And, yeah. a, and immediately <laughs> I just thought, one of, one of my great mentors uh, when I first started out in the, uh, the industry when, uh, in finance said to me, Scotty, when you are here, economists agree, run for the hills, do the opposite because it's likely <laughs> to go and be the, uh, the exact uh, opposite outcome. But, uh, yeah, there's we'll no- s- nothing worse because uh, as my old hat was an economist, if we all sat around and agreed, as a trader, you it's almost worth taking the contrarian side just on risk reward. Yeah, well, we know the markets have pretty much got it priced in now, so there's always the room mm-hmm. to go and surprise. Uh, look, we might also go and, uh, and celebrate uh, everyone's households at the uh, the end of financial year. It's been a very good year for markets. It's been a tough year for a lot of people individually. Sure. Hopefully, I uh, know we can get both uh, returns in the markets and uh, for everyone out there, a much better FY22. Let's go and cool our heels. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us. And look, if you enjoy the chat, uh, make sure you can go tune into the other uh, close every afternoon here on Osbiz, sponsored by markets.com, where we go through all these kind of conversations and what the uh, implications are for your portfolio. And we'll see you next financial year tomorrow. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.